everyone, and welcome to Express Yourself, a library podcast by us. My name is Molly Chenault. And I'm Tiffany Bay. Who just leaned very close I to did. the microphone. I did. And today we are talking about trends. At least, we're mostly talking about trends, because I think we're also going to throw some tropes in there. Uh, I'm not quite positive yet, because we are librarians and that means that we adapt to our circumstances and definitely write things down beforehand. Tiffany, would you like to start us off on our trend discussion? I can, yes. So one of the trends that I see a lot in young adult fiction, um, lots of fairy tale retellings. Yeah, that's a thing that I've noticed lately. Um, I'm trying to think. There's just so many. Cinderella is very popular. Yes. Um, Sleeping Beauty, I've seen quite a few. Mm-hmm. Snow White. The Little Mermaid is, is going up there. I've seen yes. several spinoffs. Would you call it a spinoff if it's a retelling? I would. I would. Yeah, because some of them, it's like, what if one thing was different? What if Ursula was the hero? Right, I exactly. I saw. Which, like, I'm not opposed to that, but I'm... I'm going to be honest, I'm a little tired of fairy tale retellings. Same. But I don't know if that means that that's because the trend is kind of nearing the natural end of its life cycle. Because, you know, for a while, <laughs> a while, as in like a decade, everyone was super into vampires. We all know what I'm talking about. It's Twilight. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah. But personally, as a young teenager... I enjoyed it when it first came out. I like Twilight. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm a little ashamed to say it. But (laughs) it still happened. Um, But, you know, five, ten years down the road, really tired of vampires. Yeah. You don't really see a lot of YA fiction that's being written about vampires or even werewolves or anything like that. Not Um, anymore. No, not anymore. Because I think the market just gets so flooded because it's like, oh, wow, you know, look at this author. They made a killing off of vampires or witches or something like that mm-hmm. um and so everybody starts writing because it's a trend so everybody starts writing about that particular topic and so they flood the market and then everyone's like you know oh yeah five ten years later it's like man i'm really tired of that one that, that one, one topic thing. well and i don't think it's a bad thing because occasionally it, i'll be like oh vampires or uh, witches i've done that a million times before. I've read so many books about those. But there'll be the like the one book or the one series or something that has a different spin on it mm-hmm. that makes it, for lack of a better term, original enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this was Witches, but I really enjoyed it anyway. Right. There's like one plot twist or like a plot mechanism. Da, da, da. Yeah, that's, that's used and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that was worthwhile to read. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> to avoid sounding hipster... Because, oh, you know, I liked vampires before they were cool. It's a lie. I didn't. But um, I really appreciate trends because, one, okay, it's nice to see people getting excited about things. I'm not going to be yeah. that person that's like, oh, you, you vampires. You, you, you like vampires. You can't like vampires. Yeah. Oh, vampires oh, are so, so dumb. This is so lost, you know. Yeah, or just like, oh, vampires are so lame. So, like, why do you like this? Just let people like things, please. I'm begging. Yeah. 
but uh, trends are nice because they let people get excited about something. It's kind of a fresh new thing for the first little bit. Uh, it's nice to see things change. I'm glad that vampires aren't the next 20 years of my life, I do have to say. So yeah, I am fully in support of new trends. But what other ones have you seen lately in, because you're in charge of our young adult collection here at the Emporia Public Library. That is a correct statement. Thank you. What other trends have you kind of seen in your collection? Hmm. Paranormal is always is always going to be a trend. Got to get those ghosts. Always and forever. I think paranormal will always have us have a, a place in young adult collections. And par- part of that, I think, with specifically the paranormal is one, you're never going to, at least in my opinion, I don't think you're ever going to disprove or prove ghosts. Right, so it's totally, like, so it's like, easy for them to write about it because it's, you know. And there's so many differing. It's not like historical fiction. Where right. Like, oh, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. This is not the shoes they would have worn right. in this 16th century. Right, this costume is not. Right. But, I mean, the, the paranormal has, like, a lot of different mythologies and backgrounds mm-hmm. and cultures. So there's a lot of different ways to approach that. Right. So there's usually something you can do that's fresh. Well, and t- I mean, talking about cultures, that is one of the things that I've seen, like the new, a new take on paranormal is that they are using like, um, you know, the, the genre, for lack of a better word, I guess, yeah, um, that works. it might be a paranormal, paranormal story, but yeah, maybe it's from like a Chinese point of view or it's using like mythology from, you know, like Arabic, Arabic culture or, yeah. so it's... Something other than white people in right. Britain. Right. No offense, Britain. So one of the other things that I've noticed is that, and I don't know if this is a trend so much as a clever marketing tactic, book covers lately. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. But we all although do. Although we, we all do. Let's be real. Um, Even purchasers. Def- especially purchasers. Like, look at that cover. Do oh, that's going to check out 2,500 times. That, okay, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> but 25 times, maybe. <laughs> or, I mean, we add a lot of books per month in our right. library. I don't have time to go through and read every single synopsis and every single review. So part of, at least my decision, is based on the book cover. Yeah. And especially for fiction and I would say YA uh, has some of the greatest of these. Those covers are amazing. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. I want them on my wall at home. I, know, I want them tattooed them, onto my skin. Some of them would make great tattoos. Um, <laughs> some of them, yeah. And I think that's just, I, I agree with you. I think it is a marketing ploy. But it's a good one. It's a good I mean, one. <laughs> and yet still, and because of ye old adage, I'm sometimes disappointed in the content of the actual story. Yeah, because you open the book and it's like, oh man, this is going to be great. Because look at the front cover. Look at all these beautiful line work. Yeah, look at all this. It's so great. Oh no, world. (laughs) Like, you see all that and yeah, and then you open it up and you read the book and you're like, oh, okay, well, that didn't really live up to it. Didn't really, didn't really do a thing for me. What are some other subject tropes that we've seen pass through in these elder halls of literature? Literature. Literature. Oh, what else? Um, oh, magical princesses. The magic. The princesses. (laughs) Uh, So we, we recently shifted young adult 
So we are no longer utilizing the topmost shelf because, because people are short. I, yeah, I can't reach it. Like most of our library assistants can't reach it. I can reach it, but um, I'm special. Yes, you are. And when we were shifting, I don't know how many books I saw that were, <laughs> you know, princess with magical powers must fight this monster. And oh, by the way, there's two guys oh in God. the story. You know, how will they help her, um, you know, learn to tame her power? And who's she going to choose? And why can't she tame her own power? Man, why does she have to have two guys? Why do they have to be guys? Well, yeah. Why can't it just be like all female group? But learns how to kick monster butt. Um, okay, I'd read that. Right? I would too. Somebody out there, write that, please. <laughs> Not copyright. Not copyright. Not copyright, no. <laughs> Take that idea. Run with it. <laughs> but part of that strays into trope territory. Yes. Because the chosen one, I would say, is an archetype. Yeah. Um, not one I'm necessarily fond of, although it depends on how well it's handled. It can be good. It can be necessary because if someone weren't special, I guess what's the point sometimes? But I'm also like sitting here as a real normal person who unfortunately does not have superpowers or a magic wand. Or I was like, just hoping you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, I mean, I don't know, even any particular talent for karate and can't relate. Hashtag unrelatable. But hmm. I just, I wish that, and I don't have a problem with people having magic powers but i think sometimes it stretches my willing suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. for the main character always to be the most special one like even if they don't know it even if they don't know that's because that, that that actually uh, irritates me more <laughs> like oh you I were average before and but now, now all of a sudden you it's can midsummer and you can shoot lightning bolts out your hair tips <laughs> Ba-boom, now you're special. You weren't before, but now you are. Yeah, well, and I've always thought about, like, what kind of message does that send to, like, the younger readers? Like, I know it's, you know, it's supposed to be empowering. Like, oh, man, look at what they, you know, this story of empowerment. And, you know, they went and they changed the entire world they lived in. But, yeah, they could shoot lightning out of their hair tips or something. Well, (laughs) to me, it gives off the message, if you don't have something special, what good are you? Yeah. Still enjoy me a good old Harry Potter. Still enjoy Percy Jackson. Even though I would argue that Percy Jackson is pretty average in that universe because yeah. he's a demigod. And instead of a full fledged Instead of like a god god. Right. Um, and all of his companions are also, also demigods. Now he is, of course, the son of one of the quote unquote big three. But there are other children who are also in that position. Right. So that, for me, is a step in the right direction. But it's just like... So it would have been better had Harry been, like, half a wizard. <laughs> I don't know if that's even... I, that's I, not possible. I don't know. So. I'm not well enough versed in the, the Potter world. But it's just like you end up feeling like a side character in your own life a lot of times. And uh, sometimes you just want to be a main character. Except for, hey, I uh, can't fly, so how am I going to do right. that? I don't have these magical elemental powers right or i would like to see more stories where the main character works really hard to earn or learn magical powers or something it's not like like, some innate like 
I was born with this. Harry, you're a wizard. <laughs> maybe. Boom, now maybe, you have. <laughs> maybe they're born with this. Maybe it's magic. That didn't roll off the tongue as well as I was hoping. We're going to ignore it and move on. Maybe you're born with it. Like the Maybelline? <laughs> yeah, that was what I was going for. So I got it. Okay. <clears throat> but other tropes, not tropes, sorry. Other trends in literature is, that we've seen. Um, I think, I don't know if you'd lump angels and demons under the paranormal. I think some I, people do. I would. Um, and that's not as heavy. I, I think angels, that was also a definite trend in YA. It's pretty short-lived, um, though. Very short-lived. Largely because I think a lot of authors, you know, thought angels always is going to mean, like, some organized religion. Yeah. So I think maybe they thought, oh, this is kind of a, there's, you know, it might be a more difficult topic to write about. It is, for sure. Because rather than vampires or, you know, something that you can, you have a little bit more leeway, I guess, in terms of what you can write. In your plot or... Well, because with angels, even though they're... And I think angels have even less leeway than demons. Because I would argue that angels are almost specific to Christianity. I'm not... No, don't quote me on that. Because I am not an expert. But I... If you are an expert on angels, weigh in. (laughs) Please, email us. But it's also... How are you going to market that? Because you're just treading the line of... And I'm not saying that... You should always be careful of hurting people's feelings, but there's just a very narrow margin between if you are a practicer of organized right. religion, is this something you're going to pick up? Because yeah. you're like, or oh, I don't know about that. did this author take it one step too far? Like, yeah. yeah. Disco angels. I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe read that. <clears throat> no, angels I'm, like a good disco. Um, I'm thinking about it more and I'm into it. Yeah. But something else. Uh, it's, it's a trend, but it's totally, I mean, on, like, the total opposite side of paranormal, but it's inclusion to the point of checking boxes, I think. Anymore, I feel like when I pick up a YA title, it's like, oh, look, every character is, like, half one ethnicity, half another. Um, this one has, like, a differing uh, sexual identity, this one has a different religion. I mean, it doesn't play into the plot. So I feel like sometimes it's it's pushed. Maybe authors don't feel like, oh, well, my novel's not going to get picked up by a publisher if I don't check these particular boxes. Well, and I've heard stories of publishers telling authors that they have, like to, you have, have to have this, this, like and this. a POC, or you have to have. And now we're not saying that it's bad. I definitely think that there needs to be more inclusion on the shelves, especially with people who are still developing who they are. They need to be able to see themselves on that shelf. But when it's done as just a token, when it's done as, I literally put this in my book so that a publisher would pick it up and publish it, that's not authentic. That's not inclusion. That's just, it's just. It's marginalizing them again. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's just as harmful as not, <clears throat> not being having all. any diversity in your book at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to fix that problem. I, I don't know either. what the solution is. I just, and then you get into the whole debate about, well, who should be writing this? And right. I do not know. I really don't. And I I think that as a culture, I don't think that's the right word, but, you know, I think authors will work through this and I think they'll find a way to make it good. And it is good. And some of it is very good. And some of them great characters with great um, 
development and plot lines and stuff. And some of them are there for two seconds on one page. Right. And it's it makes me sad. Yeah. Because I would love to see more of that. But it was only there for a requirement almost. Yes. Um, other things are strong female leads. Okay. So as a woman, as a woman who is in a professional career, I like seeing strong female leads. But guess what? I also cry over gum commercials. <laughs> so I would really love if <laughs> the portrayal of women who are strong stops being they can only be like logical, unfeeling. Uh, th- they like, can only be really cool, trademark, trademark, 24-7, and they don't have any other setting. It's like robotic, almost. It's like, well, I I cannot have time for this kitten in this shelter because I must go save the world on my motorcycle again. Because I'm a detective. Because I'm a hard-boiled <laughs> detective. Yes. Like we need, we need strong female characters. But who whose definition of strong is this? Because I don't think that only behaving in a certain type of way is the only way to be strong. Like you can be strong and you can be a nice person. You can be a soft person. You can care about others. I promise it won't hurt you. There's just so many different ways to be strong. And I'm only seeing one way portrayed for the most part in, um, in a lot of books that I read. And this does not just go for young adult books. There's a lot of this in books targeted at adults too, uh, specifically in, in urban fantasy. It kind of drives me crazy and I'm to a point where I pick it up and I read the synopsis. And if I, if I see the words, if I, if I see anything about a hard-boiled female detective who doesn't have any good relationships in her life and is is all by herself, but she likes it that way. I'm like, no, I I think I'm done here. <laughs> well, I think maybe it's because I've never met a human being who is like one-dimensional, and that's how sometimes they write the characters. Like you only have one motivation. You only like you said, you only have one setting. Like you know. And strength can be in many dimensions, and they're not written that way. And honestly, they're wrecks of human beings. They're they're not healthy, guys. They're very not good. Like, eat a vegetable. Please take care of yourself. Drink some water. Go out with your friends. Do some bowling. You need bowling. to have a self-care night. <laughs> <laughs> Do a face mask. I don't have care. Have a mani-pedi. Just stop Jeez. brooding all the time. So much angst. It's like I'm in high school again. And this is books for adults. Yeah. It's just a personal pet peeve of mine. If you could not tell. I don't know if I have... I'm sure I have a pet peeve. Oh, you do have a pet YA. peeve. What are they? I can tell you what it is. What is it? It's when they turn them into TV shows. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> heavens yes. How did I forget that pet peeve? I don't know because you've been complaining about it to me yes. for a week. Oh, God. Whenever I see, oh, look, Netflix is putting on a new show. Of course they are. Do you know where it came from? It came from a YA novel. I'd almost bet you. Eight out of ten times it's come from YA. Well, that's because I... I don't know about the largest demographic, but it has a very broad demographic. Because you can hit, you can hit the teens, you can hit the new adults, and by new adults I mean anywhere from eighteen to like thirty-ish, and then you can hit the adultier adults. 
see you have a really like wide audience. Um, <laughs> the most recent example of a book to TV show is I think Lee Bardugo's books. Yeah, like all of them though. <clears throat> the Grishaverse. Am I getting this wrong? I don't know. No, you're right so far. But yeah, it was announced that her on her trilogy, yeah, is being picked up by Netflix. Well, from what I understood, she has two trilogies, and one is set like a she bunch has, of years after the other. She has a trilogy, and then she has a duology. Ah, but she's coming out with a new series. Right, I did see that. But Netflix is taking all of her currently established books and smushing them into one TV series, even though there's a huge time gap, from what I understand. And I really don't know how this is going to work. Um, and I do have to say, I have not read the books yet, although they are on my list to read. They're as, really good. As are, you know, like 300 million other books. But I just wish... I, I love movie and TV show adaptations because I'm not one to go watch a movie and be like, ah, the book was better. Like, sure, the book probably had more in it. The book probably had better development. But I'm a very visual person, so I I like to use them together. So, for instance, I'm reading the book Jurassic Park right now, which, I know, why haven't I done that yet? I don't know. I don't know, man. I still haven't. So, hopefully you've seen Jurassic Park the movie. I have. If you haven't, you... I screamed in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, I didn't see it in theater. Oh, I did. It was humiliating. <laughs> anyway. But Jeff Goldblum's character, um, yes. Dr. Ian Malcolm, did you know that he's described in the book as balding? What? I just I read don't that. Think Jeff Goldblum is balding. Oh, definitely not in that movie either. Hmm. Um, and I just read that description last night, and I, I was like, am I thinking of the right person? And I Googled it real quick. And yes, it is indeed Jeff Goldblum's character. So... I'm going to be real honest. I much prefer Jeff Goldblum and Jurassic Park over balding Dr. Ian Malcolm. So sometimes Mm. it's better. Just saying. So now I have, luckily, that interpretation of his character stuck in my head while I'm reading the book. Um, Love the movie adaptation of The Martian. They stuck really well to... Yeah, the book for the most part. The characters are great. I love all the actors. Matt Damon did a great job. Oh, don't get me started on Matt Damon. Did you know he plays Spirit the Horse in the movie Spirit, Sagging of the Cimarron? I did, because you told me <laughs> that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies, okay? The soundtrack makes me cry. Anyway. See? Multi-dimensional strength. Also just a lot of crying. So I, I like them together. I, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. Are they accurate to the book? No, the no. answer is no. No, they're not. But they're visually gorgeous. They are. And it also, the once soundtrack again, is great. The soundtrack is great. So I just, I like. And also Gandalf, like. And also Sir Gandalf. Ian McKellen, he just makes like the best Gandalf ever. Yes, I like movie and TV show adaptations. I think they're useful. I think they're fun. I'm not gonna sit there and nitpick everything. I'm so sorry. Now, if they get it really wrong. Like then my, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like my poor, poor, dear boy, Aragon. Oh, boy. Here we go. A moment of silence for Aragon the movie. <laughs> that, yeah, that I will complain about because that was rough. So if they get it massively wrong. Massively wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It's well, and I suppose if it, if it brings people into the library, like, oh, I saw, you know, um, like Dumplin'. Um, I saw Dumplin' on Netflix, and it was really good, and I really liked Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston's performance in it. Um, I didn't know it was a book. I'm here to check it out. That, I think, is great. 
But I've heard a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'll just watch it on Netflix. Thanks. Yeah, there's kind of two different attitudes. But the people who say, I'm just going to watch it on Netflix. Thank you. Next. Oh, Ariana Grande reference for you. God, we're so hip. (laughs) So hip with the kids. Anyway. They were never going to read the book to begin with. That's because that may be true, in yeah. all likelihood, they don't really read a whole lot. That's true. But luckily, libraries aren't just books anymore. Do we? I know. Tiffany is making a face right now. Like, she is absolutely flabbergasted. And I have Such just... Such surprise! I have just told her the <laughs> secret to the universe. But we're not, we're not just books. And I know my fellow librarians out there will be either shouting yes or emphatically nodding their heads if they are in a quiet area. But we have movies, we have other services, we have a lot of community services and programs and access to different types of information and technology. We're not just a collection of books. So while I do dearly love them and really hope to meet my Goodreads challenge this year, that's not all we are. And I we're, I don't want to limit us to just that. But I think we were talking about trends and I got we really were. off topic. Well, that's kind of a trend. I mean, that's a, a trend. A trend of nobody knowing what we actually do in our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I promise I, I don't I mean, sit around and read books all day. Uh, no, I honestly cannot remember the last book that I read for myself that wasn't also like, oh, I wonder if my toddler will like this. <laughs> well, you, you did a book review for me for our local paper and um, I, I think you did tell me that you did not finish the book. I didn't. So, whoops. <laughs> I'm exposing all her secrets. Dun, I, better, dun, dun. I better watch yeah, out. I read like the first 88 pages of that book. And it's not because... You liked the book. I did. I liked it. Um, if I had more time, yeah, I would absolutely have finished it. But, but you know, life. You got a toddler. Yeah. Got a job. Both of us have got jobs. That's lucky. Working nine to five. So another trend is... There are a lot of books out there that are ghostwritten by a very popular author. And I'm not just talking about one author. I know you all immediately leaped to one conclusion in your mind, whoever that may be. I did. (laughs) Whoever that may be for your library. But there is not one singular one. There are many. I guess I'm just going to call them out. There's James Patterson. There's Danielle Steele. What are some other ones? Well, Rick Reardon has his own imprint now. Yes, but he does not claim to write the books that he does not write. So I would not include him in these. I'm talking about the ones that it's millions and millions of books, but with just their name on it. I don't know that there are very many in YA. I don't think there are. I actually would say the only ones that I have over there in my collection are, surprisingly enough, James Patterson. James Patterson. And hey, that's not to say that we don't like those books. They get checked out. That's why they're still on the shelves. I really enjoyed the first couple books of the Maximum Ride series. But it is maybe a little confusing for patrons when they come in and they're like, oh, I want this book by, who, you know, whoever. And Steve, like, Steve, jo- so, son. Steve, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I want this book by Steve, Steve. <laughs> but it's like, oh, that book's not actually written by that person. Um, and so then we have to kind of, you know, jump on our motorcycles and become detectives and figure it out like okay but wait which book are you talking about because technically this person has only written like 15 books but you know because things are ghost written like there's actually 45 yeah as long as as long as they clearly label the series because i cannot tell you how much trouble i've had with eric flint who's a sci-fi writer and i don't think that eric flint's books are ghost written as far as i know but he just has so many, and they are all 
just begun with a year and it's very confusing for me trying to find someone what's the first book in the series i don't know pick one and pray <laughs> but back to the ghost writing a lot of people like these books and great they're reading something That's they're true. enjoying their entertainment but why do they like them i personally don't understand because i read you know i tried to read a couple of them and to me they're all the same like this is the same plot with different character names so personally i don't get the attraction <laughs> sometimes i get a little irritated because as a librarian i now have to own 45 <laughs> of these books even though they're like <laughs> all the same and that takes up valuable shelf space but once again, people are reading them, so we will have them. If we buy it, they will read. Hopefully. We, we really we hope. hope, anyway. <laughs> so that is all we have for trends today that we've seen in, in books and kind of movies lately. Tiffany, do you have anything to add before we wrap up? No, not that I can think of. Yes, you have to You have to say words out loud because even though you can see me, no one else can see you. <laughs> so if I just shake my head, that's not actually communicating. You know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't quite work that way in an audio medium. But if you, the listener, have anything to say, any questions to ask, any topics to suggest for our next episode of Express Your Shelf, um, please email us at reference at emporialibrary.org. That's reference at E-M-P-O-R-I-A library.org. And thank you for listening.